saw a video yesterday of a a sister who had to stop two white girls from spray painting black lives matter on a building and she was like we didn't ask you to do this like stop Mm. like we're gonna get blamed for this like we're peacefully protesting we haven't had any like nobody asked you to do this like you are showing your privilege by deciding what Mm. we need in our protest stop and then they argued with her (laughs) Like they are arguing back and forth with her about their actions and her telling you and, and representing us. Yeah, <laughs> and okay. writing Black Lives Matter all over the windows on the Starbucks. All right, <laughs> welcome back. I'm Red Summer, <laughs> and I am Hanifa Walida, and we are your gay aunties. Hey, babies. <laughs> Hey, darlings. Hey, For darlings. those of you all who are just joining us, uh, we just want you to know that Your Gay Aunties is a weekly podcast that is centered around queer adulting. So if you want Auntie Hanifa and I to answer any questions that you have about life, love, or anything else in your good gay life, go ahead and send us a letter at yourgayaunties at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram or Twitter at Your Gay Aunties. And then every Sunday, we go live on YouTube. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe so that you can be a part of the show. (laughs) 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 Yes, darlings. How y'all doing? This is um, Auntie Hanifa. And um, you guys are always a part um, of our show as we all live this crazy time that we're in. We're doing it together. And so we just like to incorporate you guys onto our show um like when you give us wonderful reviews like who oh, oh and you guys have incredible usernames which we can never <laughs> pronounce all right megs m mm-hmm. megs m <laughs> love the aunties megs m says um relatable funny dated what you mean dated okay <laughs> Data is relate is like relative. Okay, okay. Let's break down the data, but they put LOL too, so we know. You know, some of y'all think we dated, but you know, let's talk about it. Let's talk about mm-hmm. it. Anyway, dated, <laughs> relevant in black like I love it. I needed this when I was a little gay bud. The community is lucky to have y'all. Thank you, Meg M. Like it's these kinds of. Um, reviews that really um, keep us going and determined to get our sound correct. (laughs) (laughs) So um, if you want to be a part of our show, there's so many ways to do so. And one of the ways is writing a review for us on iTunes because that helps our ratings and all of that. Or you can actually be featured on the show like your voice. You can speak your truth. This is an area where you guys can reach out to us. You can write letters via Speak Your Truth, but you also can review us. Just click on the link in our IG bio. You'll see a big old button called Speak Your Truth, and then you can record it and we'll feature you on the show. Yes. Boom, boom. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Well, on Wednesday evenings, we have started um, something that I'm really enjoying. It's Yay. called Auntie Red's Tweet Tea. Tweet Tea, Tweet Tea, Tweet Tea. <laughs> and basically, um, we go on to Twitter and we answer questions from you. 
So maybe you don't have a long drawn out letter that you want to send to us, but you just have a quick question that you want to ask. You just go ahead and send those any way that you normally would to um, yourgayaunties at gmail.com. You can in, uh, inbox us or email us or DM us on all of the other platforms. We are there. We read everything you send us. So send us your questions for that, and then we answer them live on Twitter. So this week, we got a question that said, when you were younger, did you have a type? Did it change over time? Is your wife your type? Ooh, is your wife? Damn. <laughs> we didn't say that for a letter. <laughs> I know. We should definitely go into this later. Uh, this is one that we can bring back. So okay. I said, and you know, Twitter, you can only answer in so many words, right? <laughs> um so this is actually a combination of two tweets back. I said, I didn't think I had a type. I was really green and open to exploring human nature. So I didn't want to choose one kind as long as a person was nice to me. Um, I wasn't stuck on aesthetics. When I did date people because I thought they were cute, it was tragic. <laughs> <laughs> Over time, my type was based on building a life together. Can we travel together? Do we eat the same foods? Can you maintain friendships and familial bonds? My quality of life is important, and I just happen to bag a baddie that I can build a life with. <laughs> That's so, a, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That is like every time... I actually went for, ooh, she's cute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just, it, you know, well, not to say those of you who are happily married or with someone that you just settled on the looks <laughs> department. It's just that sometimes the people you are like, are lusting after, it just always winds up in a bad situation. Whereas if you flip it and know what you want in a partner, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You get that. And they just so happen to be attractive. Yeah. <laughs> like the universe gives you like a perk. Like good for you, going for what you really need. Now here's some shit you know you want. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so if you all want to join in in the last with us and all of the shenanigans, we're on, we're on Twitter every Wednesday, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. Um, just come to your gay aunties. We talk about the latest episodes. We talk about anything that you want to talk about. Really? Because you asked the question. <laughs> so it's all about you. So follow us uh, on Twitter at your gay aunties and use the hashtag Auntie Red's Tweet Tea so that you can get my attention. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Well, girl, I mean, you know, there's an elephant in the room, but how are you doing? Ho, ho, ho. And being and feeling. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I talked about last week that I was kind of disconnected from a lot of the things that were going on because I had to end school. Like, this mm -hmm. was finals week last week. I had six classes. And, of course, mm -hmm. all six classes all turned into work on the last two days. Of course. Because <laughs> so, they have time just like us, so why not procrastinate? Absolutely. <laughs> And so I wanted to make sure that I met my deadline. And if I got sucked into that rabbit hole, I would not have been able to get anything done. 
So mm. just took that personal time to get myself together. And then it was like I opened up my phone on Saturday and got kicked in the head. Like literally kicked in the head. I still haven't brought myself to like watch some of the videos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did see one this morning of the I don't I don't know if there are a couple but a young brother and sister in Atlanta who were dragged out of their car because they were violating the curfew. Um and so things like that really, you know, that really gets me. And so I've been you know, on the phone all morning, trying to make sure that they're okay and that they have the resources that they need. If they need counsel, you know, we know lawyers in Atlanta, just making sure that they're good. Um, My brother hit me back and said that um, actually the community has given them uh, way more than they needed to be able to pay for their bail. Thank Um, goodness. And, you know, hopefully, you know, the brother can Mm -hmm. get his windows fixed because the police bust out his windows and slashed his tires and all kind of stuff. Um, Slashed his tires? Slashed his tires. Tased him, tased her. Like, it was, it's bizarre. (laughs) Absolutely bizarre. So, and if you've been a struggling college student... You don't have money for tires. Like, you know, you don't have money to replace a window. <laughs> um, you know, and my son is a classmate of his as well. So just making sure that, you know, they're good and they're covered. That was like waking up today. <laughs> like, um, well, you know, I, I was disconnected in a way, but not by um, choice. Mm. So, you know, when things started to pop off uh, a couple of so days ago, you know, I, like many of my friends and many people, you know, I was on Facebook sounding off because I'm not a really a big Twitter person. I like, when I sound off, I like to sound off among, among friends. Yes, you mm-hmm. know, an echo chamber, whatever, but it's, it's yeah. the way I need to release. I ain't trying to change the world, but I need to write and I need to make that writing public. And as I was writing, I said, cracker, well... To be clear, I said cracker ass cracker. <laughs> mm. And Facebook blocked me. They say you are now cannot post for the next 24 hours. So in a state of denial, I tried to post again. And then Facebook said, you not only blocked for 24 hours, bitch, we found two other violations of you saying cracker. So now you, you're blocked for three days. Mm. So I am on the fence with my relationship with Facebook. Um, yeah. You know, I know all of the ills that is Facebook, both emotionally, algorithmically, all of that. But it is a place that people, um, shit, my friends are, yeah. not strangers, and I like to converse with them, you know? So, um, that being said, you know, I, I'm, before our Facebook allows me back on, you know, I'm just... I'm re-evaluating my relationship with Facebook, but, you know, and I'll talk about this later in my gem, I have been able to just, I just have to write regardless, whether if no one sees it or not, and so I'm using your gay aunties to kind of say some of the things I've been wanting to say around these recent um, reactions yeah. by some people in our communities regarding uh, George Floyd and, and all of those like him. Um, but I'll say that for the gem for later, but I'm just trying to, other than that, just emotionally, just keep it together. 
Um, I would say we've been here before, and we have in many ways. Mm -hmm. But um, this feels a little different. Or it feels like it's, it's a culmination of generations. Yeah. I feel like this generation, though, when I say this generation, as in the young people of this generation, this is a unique opportunity. Not only is it kind of showing all of the work done before that is allowing for the opportunity to even happen. Yeah. But then you have your rah-rah time. All of us, when we were 20-something, had our rah-rah time. Where there yeah. was something going on with us and we had to get in and hit them streets. But you guys have an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I really suggest that um, you talk with people who are experienced organizers. You talk with people who have been doing the work in our communities. Mm -hmm. Like taking their cues because they know what needs to be done. And I know the adrenaline is pumping and sometimes you want to get um, out there and just yell, which you should. Mm -hmm. Which you should. And we all have the right to, but also there's an opportunity here. This doesn't, this doesn't feel like the same old we rah-rah and then die down. Rah-rah and then die down. Yeah. So I can't really articulate what that opportunity is, but there are a lot of things floating around where we have an opportunity to approach this differently, to react to this differently, to actually make some sort of systemic change. Yeah. In our local lives... <laughs> yeah. in our immediate lives so just you know sit and think about that in the midst of your justified anger what does it look like on the other side of this yeah and for me I I understand that like my time in the streets was um, oh my god why did his name just leave my head that was pulled out his car was beat Rodney King. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that was my first time rallying in, you mm -hmm. know, in college. And then to Troy Davis and, and, um, Endless Sandra names. Bland and right. So like I, for me, I was marching in all of those marches, right? I was out there and, and protesting in the streets and participating in all of those at this point for me, I'm, more than happy to pass the baton on that part. And for me, being in the background, strategizing, providing resources, like making sure that 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 young people can do what young people should be doing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm totally checking myself on that part and being prepared to do the next part of the work. So I'm here in, in the D.C. area. Can I go and... and connect with lobbyists like can I you know work with young people on making sure that we have representation like all of those things are now like where I, I am and so I applaud the young people who are who are in the streets I, I totally understand that experience mm -hmm. and that expression um, and we'll pick up the, the other side word and I, and I just want to leave on one last note because this is something that I've really been thinking about and with my ancestors during this time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, one of the opportunities we have is to for a serious rush of our young people running for office. And I say that, yeah. and when you say, and when some of you may hem hum that, oh, the system don't work, yada, yada, yada. I want to, I want you to reflect. If you think this is hard, guess what was harder? Slavery, okay? Mm. And what is the first thing or one of the first things our people did when they were free, mm -hmm. they ran 
for office. And they won before they even got the right to vote. Yeah. You think about that shit. And through them, through Reconstruction, that's what we got public schools. Mm-hmm. We got so many things we take for granted now. These yeah. were the, I, the ideas of Negroes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, who knew that the power, where the power was at the time. Okay, that is still the case. Don't let these corrupted politicians corrupt the idea of public service. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we need to bum rush the show. Like P.E. used to say, if you don't know the song. (laughs) All right, so we'll leave it there. I have more to say when we do our gems, but we love you. Your aunties love you. If you are out in the streets, please be safe. Yeah. And the same rule applies like your mama and your daddy told you when you go out and play with the little white people. You Mm. know, you are not seen like little Jacob. Okay, so please be careful out there and don't let them people put them hands on, your hands on our babies, okay? Yeah, absolutely. I do want to put a point Mm -hmm. on is a couple of things one i have people who are on the streets right now and -hmm. they're saying that piles of bricks have been appearing out of nowhere in particular areas around atlanta these are you know my connection is in atlanta and so on certain corners in the city just piles of bricks have been showing up loose bricks (laughs) so Mm -hmm. this tells me that this is not just our organization that is just getting out of control and black people are just rioting and destroying like there are many things that are happening and so i want you all to pay attention to that um also we have a comment on the live it says i think too it has a lot to do with there being more awareness because of social media on what's Mm. going on and more actual evidence because of technology using phones and cameras to make others aware and so you know i know that there was a a conversation around a young woman um, who filmed george floyd's murder um and she had an opportunity to speak out and say well no one else was filming it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and and, we wouldn't know what mm. was happening so yes, mm-hmm. help, you know, yes, get involved. But because people are there in the streets and people are able to show and broadcast what's happening, that's another layer that's adding to the world seeing us because London was obeying their uh, pandemic <laughs> guidelines and now they are in the streets, right? Mm-hmm. South Africa is in the streets. Ireland is in France the is in the streets. I'll talk to some right? friends in France Other countries today. Are, are seeing what is happening because of this technology that's out and it's allowing the world to see how black people are treated in America. Mm-hmm. And, so and our wounds, our dirty language is flowing in the wind as it should. Absolutely. And I am I have not been down there, and I will repeat that again. But I know that our brothers and sisters here in D.C. are on the lawn. (laughs) And that they have, you know, gone to the White House as they should. As uh, two weeks ago, those who were protesting not being able to get haircuts and get manicures were storming their capitals in different places. Like, things are moving, things are happening, and people are not just going to be able to go back to ignoring it. And just allowing it to happen. Systematically, things need to change. Yes. And, 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 and you're pointing out 
you know, this is on the top of a, pan a pandemic, on top of people being out of work, on top of people being cooped up in the house, on top of people being generally stressed about what tomorrow is going to look like. And that is the perfect storm for actual change. Yeah. And it's not just a fleeting wave or of, of anger. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sorry. I also want to. I also want to um, give our this podcast collective condolences um, and to of rest in power um, to Tony McDade, um, mm. a trans man who was killed by Tallahassee, Florida, um, police. Yeah. Um, thus, another highlight of of black trans double consciousness. A, a friend of mine on Facebook, Merrick Moses, who's a trans man, was talking about the double consciousness of both being a black man and being a black trans man. So we're taking a moment to know how others have to navigate the world and the shit that they have to navigate because of who they are. Yeah. And choose to walk in the world, you know. And 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 Tony was being misgendered through the entire experience. Mm. Okay. Okay. So Okay. Let's move on, children. Yes. All right. Well, let's go into in to the, the vein to... of that. I just yes. want to kind of dig into my bag of gems. All right, let's go into the bag of gems. Let's make it happen. <laughs> what in the world is in that bag? What you got in that bag? What in the world is in that bag? What you got in that bag? And you know, in in appreciation of Tony McDay, <laughs> in appreciation of those who. Um, who show up in the world in the way that that celebrates who they are in the, the inside and, and show it on the outside. Um, we decided to make June our masculine appreciation month <laughs> in all the ways that that shows up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so June is our oh boy <laughs> appreciation. <laughs> And I wanted to share something that I wrote. It's like one of my really, really early pieces back when oh. I was in Chicago in powwow. Um, my mama, Cece Carter, has a series of poems um, called Dear Femme, Dear Butch, and Dear Just You. Right? <laughs> and, <laughs> I like that, Dear Just You. <laughs> Wonderful. And they're, um, they're love letters to mm. people who, you know, show up as they are. And so this was my love letter um, in that series. And it's just called Thank You. <laughs> <laughs> this is so cute. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't and I never I'm really, bracing myself. I'm bracing like myself. My old book, this was my tour book. So it's all scratched up and written on and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to thank you for making this easier for me. I see you walking with your masculine ways and I appreciate all of the fights you had to fight in order to be able to walk so smoothly. I love you because they call you stud, butch, aggressive, dyke, and every knock is a boost bringing you closer to me. I wanna thank you for making this easier for me. Because you wear your sexuality on the outside, there is no question in their minds when they see you. When they see me, most of the times they would never suspect. Even when I tell them, they are always so shocked and responses are like, but you're so pretty. 
you could have any man you wanted. Not understanding that all I wanted was you. Not understanding that your beauty is the one that intrigues me. Not understanding that your delicate balance between masculine and feminine is what keeps me coming back. Keeps me wanting more. I want to thank you for making this easier for me. So that when people ask me, am I a lesbian, I think of you and all the struggles you had to endure, all the rude comments, all the stares from men who wish they could be you. I think of you and all it took for you to just be who you are. And I am proud to say yes. So I want to thank you for making this easier for me. Because even though I am one of those girls who could pass why would I? I love being a lesbian because I love you with your sports bra, loose pants, boxer shorts, oversized shirt, and comfortable shoes. I willingly walk through this fire with you in my stiletto heels, push-up bra, <laughs> and red <laughs> lipstick. For all that you have done for yourself, you have also done for me. And I want to thank you for making this easier for me. <laughs> no, that was beautiful. Oh, I'm just so excited that we're doing this month and I'm just so happy to celebrate all of our masculine identified family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if that poem like resonated with you all and you, and you have someone in your life whose whose presence has given you so much joy, whether your eyes, giving your eyes joy or giving your heart joy or <laughs> <and> your mind <laughs> joy. <laughs> and they are of the masculine queer uh, uh, persuasion. Tag um, us on our IG. Tag them rather on our IG. Um, there's a post there that says, oh boy, uh, pride contest. And we, and that, that tag is a nomination. And whoever wins gets to come on your gay auntie. Yes. At the end of the month, <laughs> you can see see her or his or their sexy self. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> On the show. Wow, that was that was really beautiful, um, Red. Um, as someone on the masculine side of things, it, I appreciated it because it was like listening. You know, I, I, I imagine myself walking down the street with my femme partner, and what goes to her head, how she navigates, how she sees me in context of her and, and us in, in the world. And mm-hmm. those thoughts is, I know me, you know, that's, uh, that needs to, that's a prerequisite to even be my partner, to have a sense of feeling like you are my complement in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and we're here to support each other and walk together. So thank you, sis. That was, yes. that was dope. That was dope. <laughs> What's in um, your bag? My bag <laughs> is all is one of the rants I wanted to go on before Facebook shut me down. Mm, okay. That I was noticing when I was watching news footage and noticing an awful lot of let's just let's call them brothers and sisters of a lighter shade in our communities, quote unquote, protesting. And it started. It reminded me of a story. And then I realized what was happening, but it, it then quickly reminded me of something that happened to me years back at a protest. It's, it's a story I really love to tell, and so I wanted to share it. And it's a story of protest, of magic, of art, of humanity, and of anarchy, and how that can bring all that is beautiful down. 
Okay. Mm, okay. So bear with me, children. Though it is a rant, I did write it down to keep Auntie Hanifa on track. <clears throat> this is a magical, darn near unbelievable, but very true story, at least to the best of your Auntie Hanifa's memory. Let's go back to a time less crappy than this one. It's December in the year of Prince's 1999. Mm. Y2K was looming and all those uh, born before 2000 awaited the new millennia with all the projected childhood fantasy and anticipation. This is also the time when the WTO, World Trade Organization, an international organization that regulates, if not defines, capitalism without any input from the people. We're having an annual convention in Seattle, Washington. I had just moved to California, foolishly following my girlfriend at the time, only to break up two weeks later. But this was only day five into my move, and I was encouraged by this same doomed relationship to join her in a dance troupe in Seattle for the big protest. Now look, your Auntie Hanifa is not that bitch. I don't do protests. Well, I don't march. I got bad feet, but I can create some art for that fight. Nonetheless, I was in love and love carried my ass and my feet to Seattle. And being the romantic that I am, it's only love and well house music that will get me to stomp my feet for hours for the cause. But before 1999, my protest experience was limited to a couple of marches in high school while in New York, we were fighting our local brand of crazy crackers or police violence. So I really didn't know what to expect. Our dance troupe and musicians from Oakland arrived in Seattle early the morning of the protest. With coffee in hand, we reported to a warehouse where people were being organized, trained, and puppets were being made. Yes, you heard me, puppets. This march would consist of 20 to 50 foot puppets dance troops and performers. This protest was a parade. I had not seen anything like it, and before the day was over, I would not have experienced anything like it. An armada of people from all around the world gathered to fight the evils of capitalism with our art, sarcastic puppets, and our numbers. Tens of thousands of people were split up into committees, and the city of Seattle was split up into designated corners that, that surrounded the w, WTO conference. Some were there to perform, like my crew. Some were there to get arrested. Some were there to converse with WTO delegates. Some were prepared to be tear gassed, which they were. And the rest were there to create a moment, a collective voice, a voice that needed the power of everyone to back it. This had to be, have been the best diverse protest ever because capitalism affects everyone in the WTO that year would be making decisions that affect us to this day. So everyone meant everyone. On one corner, you had migrant workers. On the other, save the sea turtles people. <laughs> and, around, and around early afternoon on the horizon, you heard the roar of a thousand motorbikes of steel workers coming together to lock arms with meat packers, poverty-focused organizations, and 50-foot puppets. As we made our way to our corner, beating our drums, I heard house music in the distance. 
no matter what our designated mission was, this protest felt like pick your own adventure. A white van was blasting Frankie Knuckles and the lone microphone was standing there calling my name, so I grabbed it and no one stopped me. At this point, filled with color and joy and purpose, I freestyled a house tune about wanting the sun to pierce through the Seattle gray for this day. And shit you not, by the second refrain, the sun hit our parading faces. And I wasn't the only one who noticed the correlation between my lyrics, the rise and the music in the sun. The crowd roared. I dropped the mic and danced on my already worn feet, but I didn't feel a thing. We felt everything. Mm. An hour later, we had made it to our designated intersection. My girlfriend and her dance troupe had somehow chained themselves to a pop-up stage and choreographed a piece that incorporated the chains. God bless dancers. They, uh, they always make it happen by any means necessary. About 700 to 1,000 people had occupied that one intersection. The day was going exactly as planned. I hadn't even noticed the sun beginning to slowly set. During the dance performance, I was sitting next to a white girl from Philly. I forgot her name. I just remember she was from Philly. We were positioned in front of the Nike building in downtown East Seattle. We both were so filled with a sense of purpose and, you know, achievement. <laughs> but as she was telling me all she had done during the day that led her to this corner, I noticed another white girl. We'll just call her Chrissy. Unlike Karen's of today, Chrissy loves adventure and gets off by urban chaos porn. Having been raised in the suburbs where she wasn't allowed to go crazy enough and just kept the porn hidden from mommy and daddy, Chrissy longed to go to the city and create chaos to fight the oppressive structure of privilege. So Chrissy climbed to the front of the Nike building finally making it up to the logo that hovered over the front door. At first I was like, okay, Chrissy. Chrissy is juiced up on some adrenaline. What's she gonna do? Dance on top of the Nike sound. Go Chrissy, it's to protest. <laughs> but then I heard a sound so familiar to my New York upbringing, but it felt out of place. It was the rattle of a spray can. It, it was coming from Chrissy. She was getting ready to graffiti the logo. That rattle sounded, uh, was that the rattle sound pre prefaced one of the more bizarre and deeply spiritual moments I would have in my young life. Are you ready for it? Now I could give two shits about Nike or their property, but I did care about what had been created up to that point and that the rattle of her paint can was not in step with it. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't reach her with my hands to drag her ass down, and I was too filled with love to yoke her up proper, even if I could. So all I could do was stand up, outstretch my arms, and scream, no! Out of nowhere, my no became an own. The white girl from Philly quickly joined in. Within seconds, the rest of the crowd saw what was happening and without prompt, got up, pointed at Chrissy and oh, for what seemed like forever. The dancers stopped and oh, the white girl, two letters into spraying fuck, stopped, 
turned around, widened her eyes, and absolutely froze. She was witnessing close to a thousand people looking up at her from the street in the wave of old. She slowly put her spray can away and climbed down. She seemed confused with that, was hap what was happening and her surprising reaction to it. She shamefully descended down from the Nike store. Me and the white girl from Philly just looked at each other. We all looked at each other and was like, what the fuck did we just do? The dancers finished their routine in a spiritually heightened state and we sat with our newly discovered power of our humanity. And then, just minutes later, in the same intersection, across from the Nike building, a small band of cops started to get into it with protesters. And just like that, like someone just called in the super friends, the crowd jumped up again with outstretched hands towards the scuffle and like the green lantern shot away with, mm. with everything we had at them fucking cops. I shit you not again, these cops stopped looked around and either by sheer confusion or the unyielding vibration of our collective human voices felt overpowered. Yeah. It was like their arms lost the stretch to push or shove, strength to push or shove. Even the protesters they were scuffling with knew they would have a story to tell about how an ohm prevented them from going to jail. After our second ohm mission, I understood the power of human intent and voice like I had never understood it before. Was this a mostly untapped power that could be used in modern day protests? I then theorized. I'm sure it wasn't the first. The sun was almost fully set, but we soon learned Chrissy did not come alone. As we were unchaining the dancers and, and packing up, I heard a bang. Did a crash. Then minutes later, we, my eyes began to sting. Uh, another protester was running around screaming, the anarchists are here, the anarchists are here, like she's fucking Paul Revere in tears. And just as mysteriously as we were surrounded with the power of OM, the puppets were chased away, the music stopped playing, the conversations dispersed, and the glass started shattering. Our crew made a decision to get out of there. What took a day to create, anarchists had ruined in less than an hour. Mm -hmm. I started to see plumes of smoke as cars started to burn as we ran back to ours. My inexperience with protests did not prepare me for the spiritual uprising I had been a part of that day, and it didn't prepare me for how all of that would not matter in the end. In the end, what the news covered is what the anarchists lived for. Chaos, destruction, and white supremacy, you heard me. Yeah. The rest of the world would never know what really happened that day. And what you don't know, you cannot build on. White supremacists do not just wear hoods. They wear the veil of entitlement and freedom. Anarchists who are mostly white or mostly white identified, identified people of color, I said it, who are oblivious that the scorched earth they leave behind, much like their ancestors, either directly or trickles down to affect the poor and marginalized. 
Blowing up cars and breaking windows is just a trope found in your poverty porn collection under your suburban bed. You don't want to fight any power structures. You want to test, exercise the limitations of your own. You are not a threat. You are a nuisance. You do not care about the state of the world. You just care about your awkward unease within a privilege you didn't ask for, but were trained to exercise regardless. Whether it is a disregard for the consequences of your actions or how they affect not only progress, but the everyday lives and spirits of the people who live and work in the neighborhoods you destroy, or later, manner, many of, of your in 1999, many of you in 1999 probably now have kids, a dog, and a phone to call the same cops that you threw Molotov cocktails at. Come see about this nigga exercising in your building gym. Looking at footage of the recent protests nationwide, I saw you, Chrissy and Jake. I noticed the first night as the skateboards were illuminated in silhouette in front of the Minnesota burning buildings, Minnesota's burning buildings. I noticed the laughter, smiles, and absolute glee on the white faces dispersed throughout the crowd. They aren't here to mourn and share in a collective grief felt by my people. They are here for a good time in the city. They are here to have fun in their newly found political stance that says, no patience for imagining and building something new, so just burn it all down to only later fear it when you yourself own property and are fully invested in your whiteness. Flippantly, flippantly writing off your foolish, youthful days when your knees, when your knees too are on the necks of black existence. So I say, to all the anarchists disrupting the culture of protest designed and exercised by peoples of color since your chalky ancestors stepped foot on this rock, fuck you. You are the part of, the generational, of our generational pain. You are the answer to no one's suffering. And to those who actually live in the urban communities of Minnesota, Philly, LA, Brooklyn, Nevada, Arkansas, uh, Arizona, Miami, Louisville, Baltimore, you know who is who in your neighborhood. Gather your collective power, ready your sealy fingers, outstretch them, and find your own to essentially whoop Chrissy and Jacob's narrow ass back to Main Street, USA with their skateboards in between their legs. Protests are, are our right as citizens. It's a tool, an exercise of voice, intent, release, history, and change for those who seek it not those who wish to fondle it and leave the rest of us to live with the scars of your molestation. And lastly, today, black students from HBCUs here in Atlanta were assaulted for protesting peacefully after two nights of anarchists, mostly likely not from Atlanta, setting fires and breaking windows. In the end, we are who are considered the thug, the thugs, regardless of who was breaking the windows or graffitiing um, fuck on police cars. Mm. It is we who are more accessible than you to be picked out, assaulted, and arrested and put in the prison pipeline. It is we whose lives are endangered, whose neighborhoods are further ruined. And it is you who will look on all of this some years from now with a beer in hand, laughing with your bros in some bar in a gentrified neighborhood and simply saying, ha, ha, remember those crazy days, Ed? Thank you, y'all. I know it's a bit long, but I had to get off my chest. Blame Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. But it just shows how connected, like, all of these experiences are, even over mm -hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And 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 because you know, we a lot of times generations drop the ball and don't. The batons we pass are not enough lessons or, or the mistakes we made, you know. Mm. And I'm, I'm actually talking to white folks who can consider themselves liberals who are of a certain age. These are your kids out there. Yeah. Acting a fucking fool. Okay. And maybe you thought you were making them good liberal white kids by teaching about the wrongs of the world. But some lessons would you drop the ball. Mm -hmm. They need to know their limitations within their privilege. That you just can't go out and raise hell in other people's neighborhoods. Yeah. Because it's those other people who are accused of doing that. It's those other people who have to literally clean up the mess. Like, literally clean up the mess. Which the news doesn't show you that people actually go out afterwards who live mm -hmm. in the neighborhoods and they're cleaning up y'all shit. Yeah. I um, saw a video yesterday of a, a sister who had to stop two white girls from spray painting Black Lives Matter on a building. And she was like, we didn't ask you to do this. Like, mm. stop. Like, we're going to get blamed for this. Like, we're peacefully protesting. We haven't had any, like, nobody asked you to do this. Like, you are showing your privilege by deciding mm. what we need in our protest. Stop. And then they argued with her. <laughs> like, they are arguing back and forth with her about their actions and her telling them. And, and representing us. Yeah. <laughs> And okay. writing Black Lives Matter all over the windows on the Starbucks. Listen, the other evening, Clinton Hill was on fire. So down around downtown Brooklyn, like, mm -hmm. shit was on fire, right? Yeah. My homegirl said she went out the next day, right? And she saw, she said there was a van that was on fire. She saw in the news. She's like, shit, that's down the block, right? So, so the next day she went out, she saw the van. It was all burnt out. It had BLM on it. Mm -hmm. I like, she's like, she's looking at it. She's like, oh, my God. And she said that this white boy came up to her and was like, wow, isn't that beautiful? And she's like, excuse me? Wow. No, there's nothing beautiful about a burnt out van on my motherfucking block with BLM on it. Mm -hmm. what, what are you looking at? So you have to that. was probably that, his work. I'm saying. He probably <laughs> considers himself an artiste. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so all of y'all artistes, all you white leftists or far left, uh, um, I don't want to say leftists, that sounds a little kind of, you know, but, <laughs> you know, and or identify as anarchists. If you need to blow shit up, you need to get some shit off your chest as if you fucking had it on anyway. What you got on your chest? Some guilt? Mm. Your mama's guilt? Your daddy's guilt? What, what you got on your chest, motherfucker? <laughs> you got to get off when you are blowing up shit and burning people's property. And the other part of it is that there there's a mixture in this audience right oh yes there are also people who are there to start a race war right yes there are people who mm -hmm. are there to to, inst to keep this instigated to make sure that black people continue to be criminalized right so because it, it's it's sad <laughs> if you see um people who are you know, if you see white people <laughs> who are at the protest with you, you hope that hmm. they are there because they stand in solidarity with you. You hope that they are there because they are they see themselves as allies. But it is so unfortunate that we can't trust that either. Mm. Mm. All right, with that being said, I think it's time for a motherfucking break. How about that? 
<laughs> I need I need a break. I'm looking at the time. I'm like, um, uh, we gonna get no letter today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that break at the end. You know, we try to keep it to an hour, y'all. You know, we got you know kids to take care and things like that. So, um. Damn, how long was that damn, uh, my gem? Like, my gem was, was something up in like a South African diamond mine. Like, how big was the gem? Like, <laughs> I thought I timed it. Oops. <laughs> it was amazing. It. I don't think mm. that that we should change a thing. Like, that was, it was timely, if nothing else. Definitely needed. All right, then let's let's just say the things that we need to say that we want to just let you guys know what's uh, what's uh, what's going on and, and uh, what to look forward to, and then we'll call it um, an episode. All right. Yeah. So we are still moving forward with um, uh, the financial support. Maybe we can discuss that <laughs> oh. a little bit of our the things. Oh, that okay. We're doing. All right. Sure enough. Sure enough. All right, sure enough. So check it out, y'all. Um, so for the past month. Um, we have been doing lights on. So we've been trying to develop new ways um, to support queer presence and content in your life. So last month, you know, we introduced lights on and over the month we realized how it can be improved, how we can actually um, do this better. It kind of was like an experiment. So we switched it up um, a little bit, right? Um, it will continue to be um, a, a means to spotlight amazing queer podcasts out there, but we are using Pride Month to relaunch Lights On. Did I say lights out before lights on? I said lights on. Out. <laughs> okay, lights on. <laughs> Keeping the lights on on your favorite independent queer podcast. We have partnered with one of the nominated podcasts um, in our friends Queer Walk Pod. So for the month of June, ourselves in Queer Work Pie, you know, we're going to do like episode swaps um, on each other's show and um, to better spread your dollar, all the money collected um, via June will go to support um, the lights on for Queer Work and your gay um, aunties. But keep nominating your favorite podcast because come the end of the month, we will partner with one of, uh, we will partner with another queer podcast to do the exact same thing for July. So go to patreon.com slash to find out more and donate to Lights On at patreon.com slash Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And we know that this month is, um, again, our uh, Masculine Identified Appreciation Month. And so we Woo! want to make sure that you all are using the hashtag, oh boy, you are nominating your beautiful masculine person in your life. Um, you are sharing them with us every week. We will share with you the ones that you all have nominated. Vote. And then whoever is selected, like the winner from the contest will be our guest for Sunday brunch. So the last Sunday of the month, we will have that person on to interview them and talk to them about their sexy stuff. <laughs> and all of the reasons why the people love them so. <laughs> so this is another opportunity that we have for you all to share in this experience with us. Tell us who you love, tell us why you love them, and we can share that love with everyone. 
Say word, say word. And again, be safe out there, y'all. Um, your anger is justified, um, but it's also an opportunity to learn how to express it in varied ways that actually can help and, and um, effect and protect your people for when, all the, for when this uh, initial wave of madness is over. Um, and with that being said, my name is Hanifa Walida. And I am Red Summer. And we are your gay... Bye, Love y'all. Bye, darlings.